This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, and welcome to episode 110 of the Blurring the Lines podcast. This is your host, Peter Nicolaitis, and I am here, as always, with co-host Adam Bell of Sublime Computer Service. How the heck are you, Adam? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm doing great, except I just glanced over at the Google Chrome browser with the Google Docs that we have our episode outline in, and it just popped up a little window saying, you've been signed out. <laughs> I'm not Perfect touching timing. I wasn't even looking at it. I'm sitting here looking away at a different screen, different bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, sure that they do some uh, server reboots or updates, and because yeah. it, it happens randomly like that, yeah. it's like I was—I mean, I was literally in it before I went to lunch, and I came yeah. back. Now it's this gone. was like I was literally I was using it, it seconds ago. <laughs> we were getting started. And my yeah. girlfriend a couple of months ago, uh, I guess she she went to music school for her undergrad stuff, and. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> one day we were fiddling around with something at her laptop, and she's got a better singing voice than I do anyway, especially when I'm, you know, stuffed up, but mm -hmm. we were working on stuff and just, you know, like something's not working. It's not working. I'm fiddling with it. And she just goes, technology is a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yep. So that's sort of become our catchphrase for a lot of things. <laughs> we even say something like if something is being a PITA, we just say like, it's being technology, babe. Just, just let it go. Yeah. PETA. Peter, yeah, it's technology. <laughs> so, um, so we're gonna stick with our plans and get into our main topic a little bit in, after a little bit of banter. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, any uh, new and you know fun non-main topicy things from your side first? Because as we said, yep. really, since I was the one getting stuck with the the intro, you just kind of looked at me. We didn't even ask <laughs> who's going on. <laughs> Moments before we started recording, I said, "I guess this is a Peter episode because I'm bringing the nifty and the main topic." So uh -huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna tap out for a little bit, mute myself, and let you go for a little bit. <laughs> let go for a little bit. Exactly. So I've got I've got a strange issue on my Mac Pro. It's not out, it's not all that strange and it's not all that unusual because it's been around for about seven years and there has yet to be a solution. And I checked on you know in a Mac forum recently that was in late I think it was December 2019 or may have been January. It was really close. But what happens is my I've got a Mac laptop macbook pro and i've got a dongle set up to it and i've got display dual monitors and when i uh let it go to sleep when i come back sometimes my monitors are switched I'm like uh eh, not a big deal so my theory was it had a preference of which monitor it wanted to be the first monitor because I would change it virtually and then I'd come back sometimes, not every time, sometimes they'd be swapped. So I'm like, okay, not a big deal. I don't want to redo the wiring, but it's only two cables. So I swapped the cables, the display cable, physically swapped the display cables. So it would now be in its pref preferred orientation. Mm -hmm. It didn't help. It did the same <laughs> thing. 
So I, I did some Google search and other people have had the same problem. Uh, and it doesn't matter, you know, if I, it, the, the behavior is never consistent. So if I put it to sleep, it doesn't help. If I let it go to sleep on its own, it doesn't help. As far as it being consistently wrong or right. Like okay. sometimes I'll put it to sleep thinking maybe if I force it, don't let it try to configure anything or think about anything. But you know what I haven't tried? I haven't tried to force it while being focused on one side of the monitor or another. Because sometimes I primarily work on one screen or another, depending on what I'm doing. So like if I've got a remote desktop session, I work on my left screen and, and maybe the last thing I was really focused on was my left and it thinks that's the primary. I don't know, I'll give, I'll give that a try. But if our listeners have, you know, Scott, we'll see, you know, have some. <laughs> if our resident Mac evangelist and, uh, and pro, and Scott is listening. I, I will admit, it has been more than a month since I have booted a Macintosh. Mm -hmm. my, my MacBook Air is sitting here next to me on top of an old Datto Alto backup unit. <laughs> kind of like sitting here waiting for me to sort of file them away. I mean, it's still working, but it's it got to the point where it was really slow. So I haven't used it. And I haven't used a Mac with multiple monitors other than just the um, the built-in display and an external monitor. But I haven't mm -hmm. done like two external displays. Yeah. So I, I, I don't even know if I've ever done that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty it, – I mean, I like the idea because then I put my – my laptop, it's closed and I've yeah. got to kind of put out of the way. Yep. Um, and I've done that with Windows. I've done it with Linux. Back in the day, I think I did it with some old Unix X terms and stuff, but I've, I've never done that with a, a Mac that I can recall. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I, I, if I find a solution, I'll, I'll post it here. If somebody else has a solution, I, they could post it here too. Now, I did, you mentioned Datto. So yeah. I, I, I bought a Datto unit. Um, a year ago, okay. well, in December of 2018, okay. because I needed to be a reseller because one of my clients had one and I had to support it. So I had to be a reseller to be able to buy it and everything else. <laughs> but you can't be a reseller unless you buy one of their units. And right. so, <laughs> so I bought one. Well, after the year came up, I was like, you know what? I'm going to repurpose this Datto unit. I'm going to make it into a, a one of my BDR servers uh, for on-site so I, re I rebuilt it and it really wasn't that bad. Um, it's just like a, it's not a NUC, but it- It's a super micro box, right? How, how, what, what model, is it the little tiny one or? Yeah, the little tiny one. Oh, okay, so it's like a NUC. Yeah, it's, it's like one. It's not, it's, uh, it's a competitor of yeah. the NUC. But so it's a small form factor micro desktop kind of mm -hmm. thing, like a Mac mini-ish thing, yeah. Yeah, so yep. one bummer was, uh, you know, I've been buying the Carbon Systems version of the Intel Nook. It's got a built-in TPM chip okay. for encrypting the hard drive. Yep. Datto doesn't. They don't have a TPM chip in their device. I'm like, are you kidding? Mm -hmm. You're the backup. And I mean, 
why do you not have an encryption chip in there? <laughs> I mean, I assumed. <laughs> yeah. You know what? What else? What else kind of sucks with data, which is really annoying with them, is that when you enable encryption on their backups, which is all software based, right? Not the TPO yeah. stuff. Um, Anytime the uh, unit gets rebooted, you need to log into it and manually enter the credentials. Because there's, there's no, no TPM chip. Right? Which was really <laughs> fun back in the day when we missed, uh, you know, like there was a software update that was applied. And one of my guys was like, yeah, we'll, we'll install this latest update. Installed Boom. the update. So we get these notices saying, yeah, this machine's rebooting. We don't think anything of it. <laughs> And then, like, you know, I go come back from vacation. And I'm like, anyone been checking the backups? Just making sure that, well, they happen automatically. I, I know they happen automatically, but that's not <laughs> an excuse. Let's make sure that they're actually happening. Uh -huh. Yeah, we haven't been able to back up this machine for, you know, like two weeks because <laughs> it's waiting for a password. Yeah. <laughs> ah. And I remember back in the day, you know, like it was common practice for stuff like an Apache web server. If you bought yourself an SSL certificate for it, you know, you had the password, and if you rebooted or restarted your web server, you needed to type in that password by hand. <laughs> and I got news for you. That doesn't scale. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. But, so, yeah. So, anyway, so cool. All right. So, I have a little bit of fun technology stuff. Okay. Um, as we know, I recently bought a, uh, a Fire TV Cube. Mm-hmm. And I like it. Uh, the only thing, I mean, really the only thing I've done differently with it than with the old Fire TV is, well, one, it's got another A word, which mm. is not beneficial to me because she sits directly under my Sonos beam, which has it there. So sometimes I have dueling ladies in the tube, <laughs> plus the one off in the kitchen can hear it. So, you know, there's not, not a lot of utility your, from that. Your girlfriend doesn't get jealous of your electronic ladies, does she? Oh, she likes to, <laughs> she likes to talk to them and yell at them. And that's great. Um, but but uh, no, she gets jealous of all my real ladies. Come on. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, so, oh, boy. real fast. <laughs> so, um but but uh, what I do like about it is just it's got you know more more memory and more processing power. So yeah. rather than being you know the you know a little computer on a stick, it's a computer in a cube. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely noticed that it loads things more quickly. Well, mm -hmm. for a while now, it has been it's got a um, you know a, a status bar light across the top. So like a lot most of the echoes usually have rings around them. Right. But the cube can't have a ring because it's a cube not a circle or a sphere or a <laughs> cylinder uh -huh. um, it has a light across the top and it can go different colors so it can be red or yellow or white or whatnot yeah um it has been for the last several days yellow doing the night rider scrolling back and forth <laughs> and this is funny because i told my girlfriend i was like yeah it's doing this it's like kit she's like what's kit I'm like wait you don't know what night rider is? <laughs> yeah 
Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. <laughs> like, uh, was that before Baywatch? I'm like, yeah, that was before yes. Baywatch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah, <clears throat> I have a younger girlfriend. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, cultural references. She didn't get that. So, yeah. I started searching for things like, okay, how can I find, you know, the fix for this, like, you know, and I'm searching all over. There's nothing in the manual. I asked her, you know, a word, what does this mean? She says, look in the settings in the Alexa app. Oh. Cancel. <laughs> Sorry. Gotcha. Um, I looked, I didn't find anything. I looked in the manual, didn't find anything. I'm search online. So I finally uh, found a forum where they say, oh, it indicates connectivity issues. Except it's working just fine. Uh-huh. So, and the other thing I like about it too is that unlike the stick, um, you, it has Ethernet port. So you can just plug it right into Ethernet. Oh, yeah. I know with the stick, you can buy a USB adapter to mm -hmm. USB Ethernet, but that seemed like, you know, like, and then I'm going to have all these cables hanging out of the back of this tiny little thing. It's kind of yeah. like buying an Apple device, you know, you buy a <laughs> yeah. little sleek tiny thing, and then you've got this monstrosity octopus coming out of it. But while I was searching for it, um, I didn't, before I found the answer, I did find on Amazon, because it came up with my search results, Amazon Knight Rider lights, right? Uh -huh. There's a six LED scanning kit light effect, six LED scanning light effect used by kit, back and forth light sequence with fading trail. So they sell this. It runs on a nine volt battery strap. And I believe if I'm looking at it correctly, the intention is that you would strap this to the front of your car. <laughs> and I can't help but think what this would look like on the front of my Tesla. <laughs> I'm really tempted. <laughs> this looks like fun. <laughs> Oh, then I just have to like, you know, get it. I need the sound effects, of course, to go with it. Too. Yeah. Or if you get it to color red, then it could be a Cylon. <laughs> they have that too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I found that too. Not as interested. Much yeah. Growing up, you know, as a kid, uh, well, Battlestar, the original Battlestar. The original. That was on, you know, at the same time, but that was on, um, I think that was on ABC. And I don't remember what, Knight Rider, I think Knight Rider was NBC. Um, so when I was growing up, uh, the local CBS affiliate was the one that we caught over the airwaves. Yeah. And NBC usually, uh, ABC rarely. It was all depending on atmospheric conditions, number mm -hmm. of leaves, and sometimes PBS. So when we were lucky, we had four channels to choose from, but they were, you know, only the local CBS affiliate was reliably any good. Yeah. I think we had... We, we may have had five or so we had CBS, NBC, ABC. And then we got the sometimes what became the Fox channel, you know, eventually. Yeah. I don't remember what it was like WUTV or something yep. like that. We had and that then too. PBS. Fox 22, you know. So. And, and PBS. Right. So Sesame Street. You had to get Sesame Street. Doctor Who. <laughs> I didn't get Doctor Who. Well, or at least I didn't. Uh, I didn't care about Doctor Who then. Right. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> yeah. so much then either. It was, it was definitely after 2005 that Doctor Who became interesting to me. <laughs> anyway. So, all right. Cool. 
So, other thing is, uh, we just booked our flights. Uh, girlfriend and I are taking a trip out to Arizona next month. Okay, next uh, month. A, a, bit, a month from now, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna go just go and just you know spend some time out west. See what mm -hmm. happens. Maybe do a little shopping while I'm out there. Well, yeah, <laughs> do a little shopping. Do a little shopping. So nice. I'm, I'm wondering, so I have been, you know, I'm, I'm talking uh, with realtors about selling, you know, I'm looking to unload one of my properties and maybe pick up another one. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm wondering specifically these days, does MLS really have anything to offer over Zillow and Trulia? You know, I don't know because I'm not in the Amazon or I mean, why did I say Amazon? I'm not in the housing market. Amazon's uh, everywhere. Yeah, Amazon's everywhere. Uh, but I don't. I think that there's. I think that there's supposed to be more detail, more granular detail that you can get in MLS mm -hmm. than Zillow. But you know, now that I, if I think about it, I mean, I have Zillow on my phone, and and it gives like you know how long it's been on the market, year it was built. Yep. Um, I don't know without doing a side-by-side -side comparison of stuff I need to know. Uh, I just don't, I mean, I like Zillow for fast, but I think, I think MLS gets you all the details. Yeah. I mean, Zillow definitely like the user interface is way more friendly and mm -hmm. intuitive. Um, so I'm using that and stuff, but then, uh, you know, I, I do have a realtor that I deal with when I'm looking for stuff. So, you know, he or she is able to just throw me some things. But, you know, I, it's just amazing looking at the differences in properties between, you know, Boston and, say, Arizona or Tennessee or, or whatnot. The, the rates are incredible, mm -hmm. you know. So, like, I'm, I'm looking at, like, this place out in Tucson, Arizona, it looks like I've I've been I'm referring to it as Pablo Escobar's second cousin twice removes compound. <laughs> this is what it looks like. I mean, this place is beautiful though. It's amazing, and it's under four hundred fifty thousand. Here, that's not even a two bed two bath condo. Yeah, that's a couple million. Well, yeah. here it's about half million. Yeah, so. about a half month. Well, no, I mean yeah, this property. Bad. Oh, that. Oh, that. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, the one that I sent you there, it's uh, it's pretty slick. But you know, I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. Maybe I, maybe I do want a second home down south. So, anyway, mm -hmm. so I might see you more often. You never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I already told Elizabeth we need to have a uh, podcast traveling session. I said because I, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't physically seen Peter in. Uh, over two years now, I think. I think it's been more than that. Maybe longer, yeah. Well, it was since, I mean, it was at a Robin Robbins event, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, and I dropped out of that like four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so, been a while. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even more, no, like five. It's been, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Because uh, we started the podcast in 2016. Yep. And that was, we missed each other because we hadn't talked to each other in a long time. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I had dropped out of Robin way before that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's, it's been a while. So. I wonder if you've gotten taller. Uh, you know, it depends on who you ask. By some, I had uh, one checkup, I came in about a half an inch taller, and then I had another checkup, and they came in shorter. So, <laughs> I think maybe well, I was just, like, kind of dejected and hanging out, and the day before <laughs> I had done yoga. Yeah. So, well, 
I, I went to the doctor one time and uh, they, they told me to get on the scale and I had my keys and my wallet, my phone and everything on me. They said, well, hop on the scale. I'll take your weight. And I said, yeah. I said, what do you want me to take these off? Cause they yeah. skew it. They're like, nah, it's fine. And, uh-huh. and they said I weighed 208, uh-huh. like 208 pounds. I am a, actually right now I'm, I'm, I've lost a lot of weight for me. I'm actually down to 218, but I'm normally between 225 and 230. Jeez. And their scale said I weighed 208 with all my stuff on. I said, your scale's out of calibration. I said, no, it's not. I said, oh yeah, it's out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned weight too. I wasn't going to go into it, but um, uh, anyway, and, and listener, uh, we, yes, we will get to our main topic <laughs> yeah. and, and, it, and it'll probably be interesting. So hang on. Um, I have been keeping up with my running uh, mm-hmm. two or three times a week. I've been adding on. Uh, this week I have already done two nine mile runs. Nice. So tomorrow I am planning, I'll do my third uh, workout of the week or my third run of the week, I should say. Um, and I'm trying to decide, I don't know, I might do another nine or I may try to just amp it up and go straight to 10. Sweet. And uh, that'll be my longest run, a tie for my longest run ever if I do another 10 miler. So mm-hmm. um, that's been good. But it used to be that um, when I would go for a long run, especially if I hadn't worked out for a little while, I'd go for a long run and I would be like five or six pounds lighter, just All like out you know, from the water, water weight. And also, you know, just like loosening things up and stuff, not just like what's in your guts, but you know, like stuff that accumulates in, you know, the tissues and all kinds of just crap. I would just like, I'd start running and then boom, my weight would drop down. Mm-hmm. My weight's been steadily increasing. <laughs> Uh, you're building muscle now. I don't know, I, I, but I, was, uh, <laughs> I was like, I, I showed, I showed my girlfriend, you know, um, coincidentally about as long as we've been together, uh, you know, a graph on my fitness pal. And I started like the day or so before I met her, I was 160. And now I just weighed in after my run two days ago at mm-hmm. 169 and change. <laughs> and i'm just like you know I, my happy zone is in the 160s mm-hmm. but i'm getting a little bit you know but the thing is i don't feel like you know i don't feel fat mm-hmm. right? like a few runs ago i remember i was feeling it and i could feel it felt like my back was a little jiggly you know <laughs> yeah. like, I, like i had a little spare tire action going on I feel like and I'm I, running and my yeah. back's flapping. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that, but I didn't feel that the last couple of times. So I, I don't know what's going on. So, <laughs> Oh, brother. All right. All right. So, um, yeah. So we should, uh, we should talk a little bit about our main topic. So yeah. I, think, I think up to this point, we've been entertaining. We have been entertaining. <laughs> now let's be educational. Educational. Okay. So as you know, um, I'll just summarize it here, but uh, Google Chrome is taking additional steps to protect its users. Now, as someone who has always been fairly libertarian at heart, whenever I see something like this, I always get a little like, ah, you know what? Let me decide. Let me be the, the judge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I may be coming around to the opposite uh, opinion on this one. Let me give you a little synopsis here. Uh, over the course of 2020, Google Chrome will block all HTTP downloads started on HTTPS pages. 
also Star known okay, as so that, mixed content. So that is, I mean, right. just so our listener understand, or so that's a a secure page that takes it to a non-secure download. It won't right. allow that. But so uh, if, if if I, for instance, if you come to paradigmcc.com. And I say, you need to get some information on, you know, a managed service provider. Click here to HTTP colon slash slash sublimecomp.com slash info.pdf. Mm -hmm. I say, we're going to download this file, but my link to you to download it is HTTP, unencrypted. Mm -hmm. Google Chrome, I believe it's in the latest version or the, the Canary version that's out now, uh, will warn you about it and mm -hmm. you can override it. There's a setting where you can say, yeah, yeah, I know, allow these content, allow mixed content, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But they're ratcheting that down and pretty soon, uh, later this year, it will just not be an option. So if you mm -hmm. enter what presents to be as a secure website, then that site must stay secure. Mm -hmm. Right. So you can't come in and say, yep, yep, we're, you know, it's all good. We checked everyone for weapons. We frisked everybody. But over there, there's a bunch of mobsters that we just let in and they're all packing heat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of the analogy as to what they're going. Now, um, now you have some thoughts on this. And I think I have different thoughts. So this ought to be mm -hmm. interesting. So, well, and then this particular behavior from a cybersecurity protector, you know, that's our job as protector, protect our clients. This is behavior that we would want. Correct. You know, we would want our users to not go to a secure web page and download something unsecure, not from that web page. Yep. Or in a, you know, insecure way. Purporting we, to be from that web page, but not yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. And, and so from a, a security standpoint, we do want that. I yep. mean, that's from our business clients are, you know, well, even for people, just regular plain old people, we want them to do the right to get good information so we don't disseminate viruses and malware and, you know, everything else, botnets. And also, though, just so we make sure that what we're downloading is really what we claim to be downloading. Yeah. So, you know, because the other thing is, like... I remember uh, like 10 years ago, I was doing an audit for this credit union and I asked, uh, you know, what steps they were taking to uh, secure their website. And the CEO said, oh no, we, we bought the certificate. Our site is secure. <laughs> we bought the certificate. <laughs> like, not what I'm talking about, right? Because certificates do two things. They, they encrypt the traffic so that whatever's going back and forth between your browser and the server is supposedly unreadable by anyone else, any, you know, a third party. Mm -hmm. But they also optionally can provide identity verification, validation. Mm -hmm. So the idea would be that before I say, hey, I'm going to have you download any software or any sensitive or confidential materials or whatnot, you understand that it's coming from me and it's been validated in some way so that you know that you're really getting what I say it is, you know, it's really coming from me. Mm -hmm. so that's the second half that often gets, you know, get, gets forgotten. And because of the advent of let's encrypt and free certificates, there's no authentication as part of those anymore. Mm -hmm. 
Truth is, though, in my experience, 99% of all people never bothered using that sort of identity validation anyway. And it's been possible for a long time to just buy a certificate without proving really who you are anyway. Yeah. You know, and in some places like back in the day, you know, back in the 90s, when you went to buy a certificate from Network Solutions or VeriSign, uh, you know, there was paperwork involved. Like you had to fax driver's licenses and articles of incorporation and uh-huh. prove you really were, you know, like, oh, you want us to buy this certificate and you want us to stamp on that in your web browser. This was from Paradigm Consulting Co. Well, you've got to prove that you are that. Mm-hmm. And that was a pain, believe me, especially <laughs> when certificates expired. And, you know, I had web hosting clients who didn't know who they had gotten their cert from because their previous designer had bought it. And, you know, they would be down for days as we play this. We had to fax documentation, couldn't email it, had to fax stuff. So, you know, I don't miss those days. Mm -hmm. But um, so, so the argument against it essentially is that, you know, a couple of things. One is if you think you're in a secure environment or a secure session, you get transferred out of it that traffic could be intercepted or muddled with by a man in the middle, for instance. Right. Um, and the other uh, thing is that you just don't know, um, you know, who it's really coming from, which again, I think I, I never really, tr- I never, like, I don't, when I go to a website, I'm not sitting there inspecting the certificates every time to see that, you know, who is this really issued to? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I just don't do that. I don't have that kind of time. Yeah. So, um, but if I see, you know, say, uh, howtogeek.com and it's got an HTTPS, you know, a little padlock and it's valid, that's generally about as far as I go, unless I have reason to dig more deeply. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so, and as it happens, I'm viewing this website right now and it says, yeah, this is a, uh, um, uh, it's a trusted site and it's valid from 2-21-2020. <laughs> it's valid since today. Yeah. Today. And that makes me wonder, was it just really just coincidentally issued this morning? Because it's uh, been it, for almost a year. Was it just renewed or was it just pretended? <laughs> or, or is there some sort of like, you know, dynamic generation of certificates going on the fly here? You know, like it's just awful interesting coincidence that, you know, we just happened to like take a look at this cert and it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it says it was issued today at 9.49 a.m. So, that's so kind of funny. I think that's a red herring. Yeah. So, back to your question about how I feel about that. So, I don't mind the warning. I really don't mind the warning because I think that that's good. And, and I think there are so many users that do not read the warning. Oh, yeah, I, do, I do read the warning when a pop-up happens because it's telling you either an error or some useful information. Right. But you know that you and I are the exceptions, not the rules. Right. Right. I mean, most people will do anything they can to just click stuff out of the way. Mm -hmm. Like I was doing a remote support session with someone a couple of months ago and you know, like my chat window (laughs) pops up and I'm saying, okay, I need you to click click," and they close the window. Because it wasn't what they were trying to focus on, right? You know, like, so so we are habitually, you know, trained to just like condition, just click, turn it off, turn it off, move on, get out of my way. Mm-hmm. So what I don't like about this is I don't mind the warn. I don't like 
an automatic block without me having any way to override it. Because mm -hmm. as a browser, I want that freedom to be able to download. Because you may send me something that isn't executable or a, a location that I, I actually need to get to it. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to get authenticated. It's not going to be right. It's not a hacker tool. But I'm not going to be able to get it if the rules are that. So I think that we probably will be able to get to it. Because if I have a link in my site and it points to an HTTP, I think you'll still be able to say, right click on that link, copy it and paste it into a new browser window. So you're talking about the secure browsing. I'm actually talking about the, uh, the extensions that they're gonna block, like executables that, you know, the program executable. So in Chrome 83, they're going to block them Okay, I hadn't even gotten to that part yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that kind of irritates me from the standpoint of, uh, you know, I, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I, but I would probably have, I, I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't carte blanche block stuff and, and executable. I mean, because I download executables for leg, from legitimate sites for, you know, some of my, uh, like my Kaseya. If I build out a, um, an agent installer, I have the choice of building it out as an MSI or an EXE. Okay. Well, if I don't, I can, that means I can no longer download that EXE. So where, I guess I missed that. Is that, is that coming along in the same time or when is that, when is that going to be normal behavior? Cause I hadn't seen that. I was so, only focusing on like domains and HTTPS connections. So Chrome 83, and that is scheduled to be released in June 2020. Chrome 83, and that's blocking like executables? Yep, so it's going to block executables, uh, APKs. Okay, nice. Uh, well, and then here's the other one. They're gonna block ISOs and zips. That's not acceptable to me. I mean, I will have to use a Chromium browser and they're not, they're not going to do that because they will lose my browsing history. <laughs> That's interesting. So, huh. And then, but, then they're talking about blocking. But now that like securely or at all. Now I believe that's mixed. Okay, but so like if I publish an EXE file on a secured website, you could still download it there. I think so. Okay, okay, that 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 makes more sense then. Okay, fine, got uh, it. All right, that yeah, yes. Now I have I have heard of this now. Memory's coming back. Okay, so again, that gets back. I think the intention there is that if you're downloading those, it has to be in some sort of secured connection, so it can't be fiddled with. And so again, that you have some sort of identity or identification tied to the session, mm -hmm. which again, when it comes to anonymous encryption and stuff like Let's Encrypt, doesn't already exist. <laughs> so I have to wonder, is, is, is Google gonna follow up with this and start enforcing like extended validation? Are we gonna come full circle and go back to the 90s where everyone has to have an extended validation certificate to actually prove you are who you are, not mm -hmm. just somebody with a quote unquote secured connection. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. And I appreciate what they're trying to do. They're trying to make a safer internet for everybody mm -hmm. because users are uninformed. And like you said, and they, they have behavior that's bad. Um, but at the same time, I don't like, I don't like somebody doing that to me. And, and here's the thing. So Google has apparently decided that this is the way forward and this is what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Now, if they, speaking from experience working at the hospital, uh, I can tell you for sure that what happens is someone will come along and say, we need this. You have to unblock it. And then the next thing that happens is carte blanche across the board, mm -hmm. everyone can download anything. Yeah. Because they just undo those controls. So with, with Internet Explorer, that happened like with things like trusted sites and, you know, like running of unsigned ActiveX extensions and all these other browser stuff. And I, I have to think that Google looked at that and said, what a dumpster fire. We can't let this happen. <laughs> yeah. And so for that reason, I kind of go with them on this. You know, it's like I, I understand what uh, – I understand, I can see both sides of the argument, but I know what happens is that if you turn on this annoyance, someone will just, if they are allowed to, they'll just turn it off. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is for naught. So I have a prediction, all right? And it, th this is recorded, this is a recorded prediction. Recorded. I, I know, I have a feeling <laughs> I know what the prediction is. <laughs> see, I predict that there will come a second Chrome browser the secure Chrome browser, and then the traditional lesser secure Chrome browser. It'll be like Chrome's? Chrome. Chrome's. So there'll be Chrome for business and Chrome for everybody else. They will work on that line for 18 months, tops. <laughs> Adoption will go dumpster. They'll <laughs> get rid of all of it and they'll have one Chrome and it'll be free for all again browsing. That's my prediction. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. You don't think that's going to happen? <laughs> I, think that, I think that might be everything warning. They won't block anything. I thought what you were going to say was <laughs> they are going to do this, and then six or eight months from now, they're going to undo it because there's such a backlash. Yeah. See, I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to get a little further along than that, but I, I think that what you said may be the reality <laughs> is they're going to get so much kickback that they're just going to say no way because, Ooh. well, let's say this, a corporate intranet yep. that does not have a certificate technically doesn't need a certificate. But if an EMR well, is I would in, say at least a self-signed certificate, but I mean, that's the thing. If it's a real corporate intranet, they should have their own internal certificate authority. Yeah. And if they do, but if they don't, you know, they, this intranet, well, you know, they could have no certificate and these things are going to be blocked. Uh, that's not going to fly. So mm -hmm. it'll, I think it'll go, it'll either go your way or it'll go my way or, it goes somewhere. Or another way. Yeah, or another way. Some place <laughs> totally different. <laughs> but you heard it here first. You did. Here it first. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah, and what did he say, really? <laughs> and I think I think he said he was transitioning and he was going to be a weather forecaster, or a <laughs> analyst, or a fortune teller, yeah. medical doctor. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, he lost me a Chrome yeah. eighty three. <laughs> okay, thanks, listener. Great show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, uh, anything else on the uh, on the main topic? Any other thoughts? Now that we've got that earth shattering prediction? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I like like I said. I, I you know overall, I do I I do appreciate the effort. Um, if I had any feedback to give to to Google and they would listen to me, um, you know, I things that they considered really really important like do not allow this kind of thing, you know, do the warning, do the double warning. It's on you, dummy. You know, <laughs> we tried, you know, rather, rather than actually doing a hard block, because I think that that's a, uh, I, I think that's too difficult to, to deal with and, and again, as a browser. I have to think that they, you know, I've just said, look, we tried it. We tried being nice to you idiots. It doesn't work. You can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it, and, you know, uh, you know if, if you go look at, look at Boston drivers, I mean, you'll know exactly where I got that theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if it were a corporate browser, like if, you know, if they were saying we are the browser for all businesses mm-hmm. and this, and we're going to keep your business safe, uh, I think that they this would be a successful model, but but they want everybody to use their browser. So you know they 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 would lose a huge audience mm-hmm. in that, and and they're not going to do that because they they just want to make a little bit of money off of everybody. Yep. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brother. All right. So anything else to uh, think about as far as that? We're, we're good. So, no, I, I feel pretty good. Can we transition on to something nifty? Yeah, you know, and I actually would like to hear about this. Okay, let's talk about it then. Okay. Um, and I've got next week's nifty as well. So um, let me make a note here. Got it. Okay. So my nifty for this week is a website, web service, and it's called Airtable. Mm-hmm. Air, A-I-R, <clears throat> table, T-A-B-L-E, dot com. Is and that with the hockey puck that you, you flung, fling back and idea. forth and get yeah. your fingers and exactly. stuff? That's exactly. That's okay. exactly what it is. Yes. Okay. Um, no, it is a, um, it's a website and online database. And the best um, quick analogy that I could come up with for anybody who hasn't used it is it feels like FileMaker for the web. If you've ever used a FileMaker database, that's what Airtable feels like. So I've not used it, but I've seen it. Airtable or FileMaker? FileMaker, because it's a Mac product. Have you ever used Microsoft Access? Yes. Have you ever wanted to shoot yourself moments after starting to do so? Yes. FileMaker is that without that feeling. Okay. Okay, so mm-hmm. think about, uh, the way I think of it is Access is a mediocre database backend um, with a horrible user interface put on top of it. Mm-hmm. 
FileMaker is the opposite. It's a decent, you know, database backend with a really nice user interface up front. Okay. Now, a database you can think of, uh, if, if you're not really familiar with the concept, it's kind of like a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, except generally uh, what differentiates it is when you have lots of different spreadsheets and they're related somehow. And this is why okay. the term is called a relational database, right? Because there's some relation between the two. Now, for an example, um, I created my own little CRM, a little customer relationship management database. Mm-hmm. And it's not fancy at all, but it has three, if I recall, three tables. And I'm going to just log into it right now so that I can see exactly and not have to try to do this from memory. (laughs) So first step is I'm going to go to airtable.com and I'm going to log in. I already made myself an account there. So I sign in and then from there I see all of my tables. So this would be like all of my database files or you could think of it as all of my spreadsheets. Okay. So I open up one called CRM and it has three tables. Or again, you can think of it as, another way to think of it is like Excel with three tabs along the bottom. Yeah. One of them called contacts, one of them called companies, and one of them called interactions. Mm -hmm. So the main one, as you might imagine, is contacts in a contact management database, right? Um, But then there's companies and then interactions. So, and these are all related by a field. So when I add a contact, for instance, I have a number of fields. So another think columns in the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So rows are individual people. Columns are attributes to these people. So mm-hmm. if you look at my spreadsheet, I should I I can just anonymize some of this and you know send it along. But essentially, I've got columns for name, first name, last name, follow up due date, most recent contact, interactions frequency, companies, and contact info like email, phone number, work email, home email, home address, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and then some notes. Now, if I go into the company's database, every company has an ID, and it's just a serial number. Uh, And then they all have a company name, uh, an association of contacts with them, a company website, and any notes, and then maybe industry and main location. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and, and again, the contacts field, that's the nexus point. So contacts that if they show up there, that indicates a relation out there. So I have several people at the hospital that I used to work with and, you know, they link to people who are employed there. Um, my friend, Sam, he works at Dartmouth college. So, you know, if I look under the company record for Dartmouth college, I can see my friend, Sam. If I look Mm -hmm. at my friend, Sam, I can see Dartmouth college. Yeah. So they relate back and forth. Then the interesting part is the interactions table. Mm -hmm. So the interactions table, and this is kind of cool because out of the box, Airtable contains a bunch of uh, predefined views. One of them is a calendar view. Okay. So if you have stuff that's sorted by date, for instance, if all you have to do is click on calendar view and tell it which is the date field to use, it shows all of my latest interactions in the form of a uh, monthly, weekly, or three-day or day view calendar. So huh. I can, at a glance, see like the last time I talked with Adam Bell was I podcasted with him on such and such a date. The last time I talked with my friend Sam, you know, I emailed him on 
such and such a date. And I can track the type of interactions, maybe make a note of what we talked about. Mm -hmm. and it shows that there is a date. Now, if you wanted, if you have a ton of data that you wanted to parse and do some hefty number crunching, you can always export this and import it into a spreadsheet. Because uh, again, you know, spreadsheets really, the intention behind those is like calculations and stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. databases, the, the um, you know, the intention is to have like data store it, being able to query it and analyze it, but not necessarily from a numeric standpoint all the time. Right. But essentially, a, da a spreadsheet really is a form of database, yeah. right? It's kind of a specialized thing. <clears throat> so, a um, super searchable spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. So, so Airtable, I'm, I'm liking it a lot, and it's, you know, it's pretty cool. It's really easy to, um, to use to get started with. And, um, you know, I highly recommend it. It's, it's worth taking a look at because there's a free version, um, which, you know, and they call each of their databases, their files that they make, they call it per a, a base. The free version lets you store up to 1,200 records per base. Okay. So, you know, you think about it now, that's going to be 1,200 contacts, 1,200 interactions, 1,200 companies, and you have to add those all together. So you could, you know, like, I don't know, right now my CRM, I'm not all that active. Um, but I've got, uh, if I switch my view from calendar back to a grid view and I go all the way down, I've got like 67 interactions, um, 42 contacts, and like 30 companies or so. So I'm at mm -hmm. like 130. So I'm at a, about a, a tenth of my, um, uh, my capacity. Mm-hmm. So uh, if I you know, needed to upgrade that, the next step is 10 bucks per user per month. Now, if you compare that, you know, again, and that's going to have like 5,000 records per base. Yeah. Um, and this also includes revisions and snapshot history. So you can, you know, basically online backups. So mm -hmm. if you screw something up, you can back up and stuff. So if you compare that to like the price of FileMaker, it's actually a pretty decent deal given that, you know, this is hosted so you can access it anywhere. Um, there's an app for it on my iPhone. It integrates with all sorts of other uh, online services like Ift and Zapier. So you can... I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Stuff that you can't easily do with a desktop-based database. Yeah. So now I haven't used any of those, but theoretically, like, I could add a contact to Airtable anytime I add a contact to my iPhone. For instance, that's cool, right? Or you know, if I certain triggers, I could just make it automatically make an entry and stuff to track stuff like this. So um, yeah, it's pretty slick. Again, it's free to start. Takes very little knowledge to get going. If you've done anything with um, Excel, Access, FileMaker, uh, even the old database that used to come with uh, Microsoft Works or Apple Works, you could probably grab you know wrap your head around. Um, around Airtable pretty quickly. So. so do you have any recommended uses for it aside from a CRM? So right now I'm using it, for, you know, I've never thought of myself as really imaginative, but you know, when I, when I see, you know, things that, that look like nails, I'm usually pretty good at finding a hammer. Uh -huh. um, so um, I downloaded just for kicks, a couple of templates that they have. That's the other thing is Airtable has a ton of templates 
and there are a bunch of third-party templates that are conf- um, that are offered in this store. Mm-hmm. I haven't spent any time to actually dig into those to see if there are any, say, hooks to external services built into these third-party templates. Mm-hmm. You want to be careful about that. If you decide to make a, I don't know, financial <laughs> database, <laughs> you, you want to think about that before you put anything super sensitive into it. And I confess, I have not done a you know security analysis of Airtable. Yeah. Right? So, um, so, my, so that said, what I have is my CRM, um, I have a list of all the Marvel Cinematic movies, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and the ones that my girlfriend has and has not seen. <laughs> um, I downloaded a template for their simple project tracker, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of cool. You know, a lot of project management software these days is just way overkill for what most people need. Yeah. Know? And this one seems like a really decent free alternative to, say, Microsoft Project Online. Yeah, we can talk about project management stuff. We'll, we'll put that to another whole topic, I think, because we probably mm-hmm. have some thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, just for kicks, I put a job hunting. I downloaded a copy of the job hunting um, uh, template that was on uh-huh. because you know I figured like, hey, I'm up to contract work. You know, if someone has something, and I'm getting approached by headhunters constantly. Maybe something good will come along again, right? So, yeah. so I started that, and I also took an apartment hunting one. Now, as we know, I'm not <laughs> in the market for hunting for apartments, um, but I just grabbed that. The other nice thing about this is, not unlike a Google Doc, um, you can share this, so it's multi-user right off the bat. So you okay. don't have any fancy setup or anything. I just email a link to my girlfriend, and now she can look and see this database full of movies that she hasn't seen. And when we see them, I just let her check them off. You know, I have a rating that I've given him. She has her rating so I can figure out. <laughs> what she likes. Um, you know, so that's the, even if it's a single, you know, table, you can still, it's multi-user, which is handy. Mm-hmm. Again, you could do the same thing with that with say a Google sheet, for instance. Right. Um, I think even, doesn't Google even have their own database? I think there's Google base too, isn't there? I don't think I've ever used it though. I don't, yeah, I've never, I've never used it. I've used their forms, but. Form, right. That maybe that's what I'm thinking of. So, so anyway, I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, zero to 10, 10 bucks a month, to 20 bucks a month, unless you're a large enterprise and then you can either pay through the nose or get phenomenally great discounts and pay less than what a normal human pays. Cause that's fair. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> anyway, so airtable.com. Tell them Peter sent you. <laughs> yeah. Which Peter? I can't spell it. This one. Yeah, that one. Oh, right. Peter, <laughs> got it. All right. So I think that uh, covers about everything I wanted to cover today. Anything else from your end? No, I think we've had a, a, a good meeting. All right. Well, since I've done everything else, I may as well wrap it up today. And uh, <laughs> hey, listener, we want your feedback specifically to those questions that Adam has posed. Um, but yeah, let us know. If you try Airtable, let us know. Oh, you know what I just realized? Sorry, we have to rewind. Back to the main topic. Okay. What if you go to your website? This is one of the main talking points. <laughs> what if you go to your website and Chrome says, hey, there's mixed content on this page. What do you think you should do about that? I think that I should find where the mixed content is and fix it. 
that's what I think I should do. But what if you're one of our listeners and you're not an IT person or a techie like us, maybe a small business owner, and you happen to go to your website and notice that either Chrome or Firefox or whatnot says your, connect, your connection to this site is not fully secure. Then they should call me and I'll fix it for them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't going to get that brazen, but yeah, they, they probably should call someone if they don't know. And uh, yeah. that could be us, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, whether it's whoever, you know, designed and hosted your website, or if you can't get a hold of them, by all means, call me or, or uh, Adam. We can help you with this kind of thing. <laughs> um, but it shouldn't be that big of a task to secure all aspects of your website. Now, yeah. that's, good. that's a loaded, you know, loaded statement because, you know, who knows where all this content could be coming from. There's all kinds of possibilities. And stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be links to anywhere and yeah. And sometimes, well, like I use WordPress, uh, it's, it's easy. Yep. And all I have to do in that is to change the primary URL and it changes all the URLs right. in it for me, which yep. is awesome. Thank you, WordPress. But <laughs> <laughs> not all websites are like that and not all hyperlinks are created equal. Right. And, and not all WordPress sites um, do that because if you are using plugins that are loading external content from other websites or, um, uh, you know, like Node.js libraries or whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. if they're pulling stuff from third-party locations. There's a possibility that you're pulling in insecure content. Yeah. So, but, it, you yeah. know, and this is, this is really new. It's, it's, the adoption is new. This is not new, but you know, like our podcast up until last year, we didn't have a secure certificate to download our podcast because it wasn't, it wasn't necessary because it wasn't secure content. We didn't care if somebody listened to you listening to the podcast. Right. Fantastic. That's great. But for a safer, more secure internet, we had to get on board had to secure it. Right. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, maybe we didn't secure it enough because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, it's not going to be long until we're going to have to have a signed certificate. That's my prediction. Yeah. My prediction is that we're going to have to go to authentication as well as, you know, integrity of the data. So. Yeah. So. <sighs> well, there you go. All right. All right. On that note, <laughs> I think, that I'm ready to ask you, would you kindly please push the big red button? Done. To contact either us or our guests, visit blurringthelinespodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.